When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Eleven personnel is live at lunch. I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luckett for one of our favorite off-season shows of the year. It's the Coaching Carousel Review. Uh, Mid-February feels about right, but Luckett, the more we get into the weeds, the more the coordinators matter, and there was some big-time ones that happened just in the last week. Uh, Georgia and Alabama, two opponents Kentucky will face this offseason. Notre Dame just made a move yesterday for former Wildcat that we'll probably touch on. So a lot a lot of ha- things happening, moving, shaking. And before we get into our kind of review of the best hires, the most head-scratching ones of the college football offseason, it. we got a message board. <laughs> we do. Uh, KR, KSR Plus launched on Monday. Behind the scenes, this has been a like a month, two month process. I think just getting this up and going, Probably maybe even longer than that, even longer than that, figuring out what we're gonna do. But yeah, uh, that's that's running out. I'm not gonna, you know, I really, I would really appreciate it if you all joined for obvious reasons. I understand it's a different model that we're using. Asking for some of your hard earned cash, but I do think we're going to deliver pro, uh, stuff that's not out there. Uh, number one, our message board um, is getting up and running right now, Nick. That's That that in itself, I think, is worth the price of admission. It's uh, just going to be we're fun. Gonna, we're just going to have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Roush is going to s- share scuttlebutt. Drew Franklin's going to scare some shuttlebutt. We already got a nice little gambling thread up and rolling on that. And so that's just going to be you know, a nice tool that we're all, we're all going to interact with. It's Probably next football season, that thing's going to get pretty rowdy during games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so well, I would highly – go ahead. I, I think the thing that I'm looking forward to most on the message board is there's a lot of stuff you hear that you don't want to make news, you know? Yes. It's like, so, like, that we can share that on there, and it's not um, – uh, KSR says that so-and-so, and it just becomes a big deal. Um, so, like, I, I'm looking forward to that aspect. Um, of it and I'm also just looking forward to kind of cutting up and um, you know uh, we we also take a lot of flack for saying we don't keep up with recruiting and the nature of it is just like well sometimes writing 400 words about recruiting news like we're keeping up with it we're just not beating the doors down with 400 words on little things here and there odds and ends to kind of keep up with things so that that gives us another outlet to keep the kind of content flowing without having to overexert ourselves over just some kids offers you know and to that point, I think this move, getting Jacob Polachek on, this allows, from a football side, both mm-hmm. me and you to kind of stay in our wheelhouse here. Yes, um, yes. Reaching out to folk- kids, man, it's it's tough. It's a trying to get interviews set up, and it can be a, a difficult process. I've gotten turned, I've gotten stood up by so many kids that it's it's embarrassing 
and I'm still getting stood <laughs> up by teenagers in my 30s. So, well, um, J- Jacob's Jacob's a grinder, and that's that's what we needed there. Yeah, and from my end, I think uh, what a lot of people listening right now enjoy, and why maybe people have become fans of mine is just kind of getting into the weeds and doing some some stuff. Um, and that's what this opportunity is going to provide. Like you're going to get more long form diving in, breaking down personnel, advanced stats, scheme, all kinds of stuff um, from me. And this is going to be a year round thing. Um, I think we're still trying to figure out how that we kind of play it out during the season, but during the off season, we're going to get into the weeds and really going to break some stuff down. And I, I think Nick, no one else is going to be doing it like this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say not only in this Kentucky market, but college football in general. This is going to be, I think, I'm pushing this to we're going to be real close to cutting edge on this with some of the stuff um, that I'm planning on produce. So I we have a couple things up already. Kind of broke down Devin Leary and what the fit could be in Cohen's offense. When you look at Leary in the past, he ran a very much modern offense. They never really threw the ball over the middle, which is going to change here next season, but he really excelled throwing the go ball. Whether you talk about back shoulders, fades, um, four vertical concepts, that's where he was kind of at his best. And when you look at Kentucky, whether it's slot fades with Barry and Brown or dang key on back shoulder throws, that is going to be a huge part of the offense. And when we kind of look, we're worried about maybe the traditional run game this year. I think don't, Getting explosive in the passing game is going to be a big deal for Kentucky this season, so that kind of fits that. And to tie in with that, we I kind of I dug into the left side of the offensive line with Kenneth Horsey, Marcus Cox. Pass protection is going to be a huge issue. We all know it, and we all know that right side is, you know, you could have three new starters at all those three positions, Nick, on that right side. When you look at center, yeah. right guard, right tackle, uh, but the left side, we know what the left side is going to be. Kenneth Horsey gives them a potential all-SEC player at left guard. Marcus Cox is coming in with a lot of experience, good athleticism. That side has a potential, that blind side has a potential to be very, very solid. And if it is that, it makes everything else easier. And a lot is riding, I think, on Marcus Cox to come in and be good for Kentucky right away. So we can just kind of cut touch on that and what their production for Horsey and Cox both was in the past. I mean, went into that in detail on Wednesday. So definitely I would – Obviously, I would highly advise checking it out, but I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, it's ten bucks until August, so if you, get you a year. if you if you sign up, you get tip for ten bucks. You get six months, and if you don't, I mean, when our new thing comes out right before the season, if you don't like it, you can easily back out. So, um, and uh, the other thing that's nice too is you get on three plus, so you get Chad Simmons, like you you get everybody's. Uh, yeah, and. A certain ACC school made a questionable offensive coordinator hire. A certain um, team that works Golden Domes made it, you know, had a big miss, public miss in their coordinator search. So you, if you're a fan of looking at meltdowns on other boards, you can go and get this. You can go and see what's going on at Notre Dame in Miami. Yeah. You can see how Alabama fans freaking out Ooh. during their coordinator gotta, searches. So you have all of that too, which is Tennessee an added plus. Too. I, I'm looking forward to the the night that Tennessee lost to South Carolina. Oh man, that was just mwah, yes. Beautiful. So uh, the South Carolina coaching search was 
Oh god. An interesting yeah. message board check-in. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and dive into the, the head coaches first and foremost. Um where in the SEC, I want to say uh, our guy Hugh Freeze was the only Yeah. Let me start with uh, just let me start with overall thought here, Nick, with okay. this okay. with this search. Um like we didn't have any I would say huge, crazy good jobs. Like, what was the best job here? Auburn that opened up? Which is the, the I mean, when, Auburn. And you look at Auburn, you can make the case at Auburn with 16 SEC teams now, you could make the case it's like the 10th or 11th best job in the SEC. Especially because with the, of the difficulty what, of recruiting and stuff. Right. There. With the, the state of Georgia and Alabama, those two programs, who are the mm-hmm. two programs Auburn wants to beat the most, as their two biggest rivals. It's just a tough job right now. And so yeah. they missed on Kiffin. They settled with Freeze. So from that aspect, it was kind of an odd carousel for me because there wasn't any big jobs. It was a lot of, yeah, I would yeah. say, kind of Tier B and Tier C openings here. And so that – Which so made the he, which made the coordinator one even more fascinating to follow along. Right. Uh, right. Because there were a lot of noteworthy names and – uh, well, yeah, and you compare it to last year, right? We had USC, Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma. Like we just had a lot of big boys uh, come open, and that that created a big domino effect. This year, it wasn't so much that, and it was a lot of G five openings and smaller FBS programs kind of opening up. And so, like, I mean, really, the two big ones were really Auburn, Nebraska. I would, say, and then Wisconsin was a big one. Obviously, yeah, yeah. but those were kind of the three, and none of those were like. I, I feel safe to say none of those programs are going to be playing for a national championship in the next decade. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, we'll see what Auburn and maybe what if Fickle can get something really hot at Wisconsin. But this was not the Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma, USC. It was. It yeah. was not that this year. No, no, it certainly wasn't. Uh, which, by the way, if curious, Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Things will go well this year. Those could be two big ones. Uh, one to make a splash going into the SEC next year. So those yeah. are, those seats are toastier out of situational yeah. stuff more so Every, than anything. Yeah, everyone wants to talk about Venables, I think, with this. But I think what people forget in all this, like these defensive guys usually, Nick, they start really slow. Yeah, yeah. All of these guys start slow. But then once they get their, you know, their sea legs under them, you see a really an explosive takeoff. Like we saw – Baylor and Dave Aranda won the top, the Big Twelve title last year. Mm-hmm. After an, you know, everybody was dogging on him. <laughs> You're one. I would not be surprised if Oklahoma runs something off here. I mean, we'll see. There's, it's also re- there's the, new, the new Big Twelve too. Like, yeah, you, I you think know. there are there are some red flags with Venables, but I, I don't. I, I think people the one to watch is really Sark to me. Yeah, like the dude is 13 and 12 through two seasons at Texas. And he's like, had superior talent most of the time right. too. Now like, the thing with it, he's just recruiting gangbusters right now you know you got arch and if yeah. you, they should be able to run something off and get to nine and three ten and two to be safe making this move but he's the one to watch i think if mm-hmm. it if it you know things go south on him again we didn't have the big name schools open but we had the big name personalities and coaching making big moves and um it's kind of similar to when jeff brom took that job at purdue i was like you can get a big job and you're, you're waiting around and you're taking this one same thing I thought with Coach Prime going to Colorado because there was multiple options out there for him. 
Uh, and, and a lot of people thought he'd just he'd, – he'd, he'd stick it out and wait a little bit longer until a more prestigious job came up. Said he goes to a school that was rocking and rolling in the 90s and has been just awful. I mean, aside from, what, the one year under Mel Tucker, like, it's been so bad. Their realignment hasn't done them any favors, uh, stuck now in the Pac-12. Uh, but it does make it a little bit easier to see a scenario where they can win early there, um, where he brings some Coach Prime flair to it. And um, for Colorado's sake, like I, I think just from a news-making perspective, they're – because, like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. They're going to still get a huge bump. This bump means – because Colorado, this is the most people have talked about Colorado football in 30 years. Yeah, good point there. Like, like nationally, Nick, there's like 12 to 15 programs that are just cycled through yeah. and talked about at a national level. Colorado's one of those now mm-hmm. with, with Deion Sanders. Like people are just going to talk about them. I think you hit on a key point there, like stuck in the Pac-12, uh, but – I think what we're missing here is, like, the way this 12-team playoff is locked in and set, it's the Power Conference champions, and then it's at-larges with a G5 thrown in. Like, the winner of the Pac-12 is getting a bid to the playoff. Yeah. And so, from Dion's standpoint, you're just looking at it, and he might just be able to out-talent everybody here. We've already seen two big recruiting wins. You know, he gets Travis Hunter, gets Kalani McLean. Like, this is a dude for a five-star from Metro Atlanta, a five-star from Lakeland, Florida, which is Florida Gator country, and those dudes are going to Boulder to play college football. (laughs) They're taking pictures in the snow. And it's like, what? when did this happen? So that alone, he's just going to be, like, it's going to be must-watch to see if he sinks or swims or sinks. I think the coordinator hires. I think he made two good ones. Like Sean Lewis, head coach at Kent State, leaves. Yeah. He's going to be running an Art Browse version of the Veer and Shoot offense. I mean, he Charles been Kelly, the head coach at Cincinnati, right? That's it's who Cincinnati should have hired. That's who I yeah. would have hired if I was Cincinnati. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that guy's on a fast track eventually to get a Power 5 head coaching job. He's running kind of the in vogue spread offense in college football. That's coming to Colorado. Charles Kelly – was a secondary coach at Alabama. He was a defensive coordinator on the Florida State. Right, you know, it went Mark Stoops, Jeremy Pruitt, Charles Kelly, and then he worked at Alabama for a little bit. I believe he was defensive coordinator at Tennessee, maybe for a little bit. So, like, you get an experienced guy there who can recruit. There's a lot to like here. Colorado's going to be a CTV. They loaded up on transfers, 23, 24, I think, transfer additions. So they're just going to be a team to watch here. And for Colorado, I, to me, the there was a lot of pros, and there, there weren't very many cons with this hire. Um, yeah. He makes you nationally relevant right away. He ups the cool factor immediately. They're in a conference that you looking long term. It's like a conference they could win. They could kind of be the T. Like if TCU's in the Pac-12, or excuse me, the Big 12 is maybe the T, the the upright the riser that may be able to run off some playoff bids Colorado could be that in the Pac-12 and if the Pac-12 blows up they are going to be in prime position like if it becomes a big 12 Pac-12 battle mm-hmm. for what conference survives Colorado's gonna they're in a great spot to they're either going to go to the big 12 or they're going to stay in the Pac-12 like they're in a really good spot right here I think you know this hire just made a lot of sense and it's just going to be non-stop content uh, with Dion <laughs> out there yeah yeah he'll be making some of his own content as well um the, I, 
I still don't know how good of a coach Dion is because he was also out talenting a lot of guys at Jackson State, but he's going to be able to do the same thing at Colorado, right? And right. I think it was something like 22 wins over his last two seasons. Like that's that you're doing something right. Uh, part of it's rah rah, part of it's knowing stuff from his playing days. So and and also it's surrounding yourself with good coordinators, like you mentioned. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. One that. Um, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna sigh a lot whenever he makes news because Hugh Freeze at Auburn is going to be making news and it's just gonna be all sorts of like, can you believe Hugh Freeze said this? You know he's gonna have a lot of yeah. all shucks. Just uh, I mean he, he's you know he's a righteous gemstone, right? Like he, Southern, he, he, Southern gentleman. Yeah, who just says some stuff. They they've got they're all. Auburn is the perfect place for Hugh Freeze because they're going to buy into his cornball BS. Like, they buy in so fast down there, and then they sell so fast. So, I don't know if it's going to be the recruiting stuff. Because like, it feels like they hired him just so they could recruit with Bama and Georgia. And this could be a Billy Napier situation where if it doesn't – if they aren't hitting – if they aren't early returns, they're going to be ticked off real fast. So, I, I – I'm fascinated how it all unfolds because they are devoid of talent and they had huge, huge, huge whiffs in the transfer portal. They got to roll out that freaking Ashford guy, quarterback. That guy stinks. He's so bad. And they're over there. Hugh Freeze is talking himself into how good his quarterback is. Dude, you tried to get Graham Mertz and Devin Leary and you lost them both to Kentucky and Florida. Suck it, buddy. You loser. Well, Four. yeah, they, they, they really kind of missed out on the whole Grayson McCall transfer thing which is coastal carolina just a beer college like yeah how do you is it not... faber is it animal house like what do they what are they classes are they taking i don't, I don't know but that did, did mccall end up somewhere he's it go he's back still, like, he's at coastal it was an academic situation where he couldn't transfer because of academics which almost never happens in this day and age but yeah uh, that I mean, it was it was trending to be a florida florida auburn battle for him and then that, that kind of blew up in both their faces and florida's Rolling with Graham Mertz and then Auburn. Ash, I could see Asher potentially being a fit for kind of how Freeze wants mm-hmm. to handle things. But I think it's important this hire, Nick. Like, what are the expectations here? It's to, you know, beat Alabama and Georgia occasionally. You're high. Part of the allure of Freeze is that he beat Saban at Ole Miss. And Auburn wants to, you know, every few years they want to be playing an SEC championship game and they, they want to. You know, potentially once a decade or so, probably get to the national championship, be have a real shot to win it. It's, to me, that's just asking a lot here with Freeze. I don't know if he's going to be able to get there just because of the competition, uh, mainly at Georgia and Alabama. It's just very, very hard for Auburn to reach their one and ceiling when Alabama and Auburn or Alabama and Georgia are doing what they do, and they can they can do it with one possibly. But two, uh-huh. both of those teams doing what they're doing is just tough. Now, Saban could leave. He's probably going to leave eventually and freeze his tenure, and then that could open up an opportunity. But an interesting Here's, thing – go ahead. My, my question for you, like, how much – how desirable is Hugh Freeze just because he beat Bama twice at Ole Miss? That's, that's a lot of it. And he is, won, is like – the Billy Gillespie beating Louisville in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, winning double-digit games at Liberty. Like, this dude can coach. There's no doubt about it. Like, he can coach. But – Another interesting thing to me, one of the best things he does is call plays, and he's not going to do that at Auburn. 
they are they are another SEC team going with this Baylor offense. Um, Philip Montgomery was Art Bryles' offensive coordinator before Kendall Bryles, and he went to Tulsa. Was at Tulsa like seven eight years. He's coming over. They're installing that offense. He's giving up play calling. So like does that does that not if you were like to grade freeze as a head coach a big chunk of that is what he does as a play caller now that's gone so how does that look um, Baylor fired defensive coordinator Ron Roberts Dave Aranda fired him and that's who's Auburn's defensive coordinator next year so that on the surface looks like uh, yeah. you know you're you're hiring a, a defense coordinator that Baylor fired I, I just I know the expect like just his name and Auburn together I think that makes a lot of sense but some the move since the hire um, the inefficient portal recruiting, uh, him giving up play calling, uh, and iffy defense coordinator hire. I just got big questions about this, and I just I think it could be rocky until when Saban gets out of there. It's probably going to open up for them to give them a chance. But when does that happen? I mean, when does the robot retire? Right? He could coach yeah. for ten more years. Who? I mean, who knows? Um, that's probably a stretch, but he could at least stay for four or five more years, and that's you know, that's long time uh, in Auburn, Alabama. I will say the one good move Freeze did make was his first one, and that's convinced Cadillac Williams to stick around. Uh, yeah, that was a big one. Morale recruiting. Uh, that was that was a, at least one positive, so I'll give him at least credit there. But I'll be looking forward to visiting Auburn Live when the meltdowns happen. That message board is a real doozy. Um, closer to home, we've discussed this as it happened. It's still kind of hard to believe. Um Sources do tell me there are some early regrets because uh, the Brahms are not used to Louisville traffic. They've been living in West Lafayette and Bowling Green the last couple of years. So there is some uh, some animosity towards the the traffic around the Waterson Expressway and the Gene Snyder. But the fact I, I, it's it's still just hard to wrap your mind around Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville to go to Cincinnati, Cincinnati hiring him and then just gifting. Jeff, on, yeah. uh, this job on a platter at the timing in which it happened too, where it kind of felt like he was maxing out at Purdue. They they win a Big Ten West. Hang they around. They were lost. Purdue lost a lot off that offense. Yeah, yeah. That tight end's going to get drafted. Um, O'Connell is somehow all three of those drafted. guys: Jones, O'Connell, and Payne Durham are all going to get drafted. Yeah. So uh, that that it worked out perfectly uh, timing wise for him, um, and I think. The biggest question that everybody had was, well, is it, is the Adidas money going to dry up, or is it going to follow Scott and his tots? Uh, it sounds like they kept some of the they kept some of the California Cardinals. They got Pierce Clarkson and uh, is it McLean or uh, what was the tight end guy they got to sign? Uh, uh, Johnson, I think. Jermaine, not Jermaine Johnson. What is that? Jamar. Yeah. God, what is that guy's name? Jamari. Yeah, yeah. We're we're struggling here with names, but they got that guy. Most importantly, Jeff. He. Did do a really good job in the portal. Uh, they brought the kid from Frederick yeah. Douglass, Devin Neal at Baylor. Like he, he's a good ball player. That they got six, seven, eight starters from the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, but what they got the Jackson State receiver, who is you know former top one hundred guy, and then the the Georgia State guy was. I don't think yeah. he led the Sun Belt in receiving yards, but he was up there. He he was a ball player in the Sun mm-hmm. Belt before. Yeah, I mean hey, Steve Stephen Heron. Um, Trinity alums coming back home. He's going to be a starter yeah. at edge mm-hmm. for them. Um, the Jaden Thompson from Cincinnati, he's also a guy that's going to be in the mix. Jack Plummer is going to be their quarterback. He's a uh, 
Isaac Garendo, tailback, is going to be in the rotation for them. I think Neil probably ends up starting for them. Uh, John Paul Flores, offensive lineman, he's going to end up starting from that for them. He's from Virginia. Um, but that transfer success, I, I think people like I mean, like they did a good job in Portland. I'm not I'm not saying that, but that was a sign of Satterfield's overall body of work recruiting. Oh, if yeah. you go into Louisville's older classes, 18, 19, 20, they just had a lot of misses. And that, that this was a roster with big holes. Satter, you got to give Satterfield staff credit. They turned a lot of super seniors. They hit the portal hard. They had a lot of good finds. But that roster was a couple injuries away from being in a absolutely terrible position. And so, like that is real with Louisville here. But Brahms inheriting Nick, I think, a great schedule here this first year. Yes. they have a yeah, lot of Power Five. Looking forward to you getting to. A lot of Power Five games, but Louisville. If you go through SP Plus, they're going to be favorite in a lot of them. They play a lot of bad projected bad football teams next yeah. year. They I think you two, said they two were of their double digit favorites in six games. Yeah, five or six games in that that lot. and they are out. They are outside the top 30, 30 in SP Plus. Like they just play. They've got a lot of good games. Like two of their road games are Georgia Tech and Indiana, but they're, they're in NFL stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not even really road games. Uh, they get Kentucky at home. They get Notre Dame at home. They get Virginia they Tech at home. They avoid Clemson. You know. They avoid Clemson. Some more, you know, brand-name brand teams. They go to Miami. They go to NC State. But none of those are like – like they could win both those games. Uh, so, like, it's a great schedule for him. But I do think it's important. Like, they have – that has real roster holes – and I was I was pretty surprised that he just rolled with Ron English at defensive coordinator. I thought for sure they would maybe try to find someone else. And if it was anyone but, but Jeff Brom that brought Ron English back to Louisville, Nick, there would have been an absolutely firestorm <laughs> from his last yeah, tenure yeah. here with Cragthorpe. But instead, it was Brom. They're just kind of sliding that under the rug. But and that he defense had a pretty stinks. good defense last year too. Like yeah, they, it was fine. They, it was they were fine. I mean, they were fine. But which that's that's Jeff's biggest weakness. I mean, he had Bob Diaco as a defense coordinator at one point. The one time, yeah. his best seasons. Uh, I mean, until this one where they they kind of pulled some stuff out of their hat. Um, that eight win team had a he had a good defense coordinator. I forget where that guy went, uh, but that guy was good uh, two years ago. Um, yeah, Brad uh, Brad Lambert. He's at Wake Forest right now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he was good, but um, I'm um, it's uh, it's going to be it, it's it's certainly injecting more energy into the fan base locally, the rivalry locally, and so mm-hmm. uh, I'll like you know I I love that <laughs> just fine by me. Uh, yeah, bring it for up. Me, Let's crank this up a little bit. For me, just in general, like there's just but they have buzz now. <laughs> like Satterfield just could never get people pulling on the rope together, right? It was always no. something. Yeah. And so, but Jeff's going to have everybody pulling on the rope. And he's going to, Brahm is going to have people that were on the fence that are just extended family friends or no, maybe know somebody that knows them that are going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go to the ball game today. You know, they're going to have people, like the lineman is better right now for him. And that's what they, I mean, they needed that more than anything. Getting a, a power five to power five move, Nick, just does it not really it's happen. Very rare, especially very for rare. a let's say tier B, tier C programs, which is kind of where Louisville and Purdue are. 
that that does not happen. Like Johnny Coach is not typically going to go from Purdue to Louisville. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a step down in conference. Purdue was, you know, they were paying big money there, and uh, return on investment was nice for him because they were going to like if, if he went four and eight next year, they wouldn't have really cared. Like they were pretty much all in on him. Uh, so that that. That that happened, but that a lot of it was just the Louisville factor. It was just you know he got to come home, um, and so there's a lot of buzz. But this is still kind of what was he thirty six and thirty three at Purdue, yeah. Um, like he wasn't immune to to like they lost a lot of nope. so they lost a lot of games as favorites. Um, yeah. Oh, I, trust me, they, you better play into their competition, right? Yeah, yeah. They they're they're gonna win some games that they shouldn't. Like that Notre Dame game, whatever you can get it at, just bet them. They're going to beat Notre Dame at home, but and they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't on the road, and then they're going to lose to somebody. Like they could lose. They're going to lose Virginia, Virginia Tech at home, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's just how it goes. Um, they could, Rutgers, like, I could very much see them losing to Georgia Tech first game on the like. Everybody's all high on them. They think they're going for the great of the year, and Georgia Tech maybe just like just hits them in the mouth a little. Mouth and just runs it downhill, and they're just like, and yeah. Plummer throws a pick or two, and it's like, how do we lose to Georgia Tech? And then they turn around and beat, you know. Rip off five wins in a row or whatever. Uh, Which I think this brings us to our good hires, bad hires, because I I like that Georgia Tech did just promote uh, Brent yeah. Key, their offensive line coach, to the head coaching position because Tech was the most lifeless program. He got them to win some football games. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it played well down the stretch. And I think, I think the biggest problem with Georgia Tech football since they – moved on from the triple option was finding an identity and under key you can be you can be an outlier as a physical team that is going to run it down your throat with an athletic quarterback i know that guy left but i i i think if you cultivate an identity around him you can be a seven eight win team in the acc which is really all that georgia tech can ask for I think the problem at Georgia Tech was just Jeff Collins became like a cartoon character. Like he went too far in the stick, you know, with the whole, you know, trying to Atlantaize the program and lifting weights on the field and just became, he essentially was a cartoon character. And I think he just kind of, they would do curls on the field, like during warmups, you know, and he would drink, he would bring a, like anytime he did a TV hit, he had like a Waffle House cup, coffee cup in his hand. And he was always just, Atlanta, 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 Atlanta's program, blah, 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 blah. And I think he just got away from the most important part, which is, like, playing football, right? Like, I just think that got lost a little bit. I think with Key, they kind of get the happy medium here. This is a guy, he went to Georgia Tech, pre-option. He knew what Georgia Tech looked like when they were playing normal football and winning games in the ACC. He got a big time pedigree, like he was the, he was Nick Saban's offensive line coach at Alabama. He's got some recruiting chops. I think he just knows what they need there to win. And I th- I think there's some reasons to be optimistic about his hire. When I came up with my top five list, he was on there as well for me. But I'll, I'll be honest, like it, it was hard for me to get together a top f- – like usually I have five, six that I feel really good about. Um, this year, not so much. It was kind of like, eh. A lot of them are just middle of the law to me. It's just, well, we'll yeah. see. Um, I don't. I necessarily didn't have a ton of bad ones. It was, in my opinion, but there was just a lot of. Well, I could. I guess I could see this going either way. I think Key just kind of fits there. He. I think he'll build a yeah. good culture there. And in the mm-hmm. ACC, I could see them becoming like a seven and five type program where they're able to go to bowl games a lot. 
Um, I, this doesn't fall in a best or worst. Uh, actually, no, I'll, I'll, I'll save that up for... Uh, actually, no. The most head-scratching for me, I guess it's just money, but I don't get... I don't get Jamie Chadwell leaving Coastal to go to Liberty. I just don't – I don't get it. It just – it feels like a lateral move at best. And Coastal is a little bit easier to recruit partiers than Pentecostal. You know, like I just – I don't – I don't get it. And I thought – even though I'm not as high on Jamie Chadwell as some people are, like I thought he was going to go straight to Power 5 yeah. from there. And, yeah. and that, so it just doesn't I, – I don't get that one. Yeah, a couple things here. He's kind of getting – Stuck in what I think Eric enemy is having an issue with. Like, he can't get hired. I'm assuming he doesn't interview well. Um, like, enemy has a an arrest record that I think probably, you know, without getting to the race thing, I think that's probably what the owners point to. Um, it, you know, and he got in trouble at Colorado. Um, he's been arrested, I think, once or twice. Nothing, anything, like, serious, but... Um, enough if you were looking for reasons conduct or something yeah, yeah. if you're looking for a re like i think he pushed a firefighter or something in like a maybe like a little you know bar exchange yeah, yeah. when he was younger uh just some you know there's some stuff there that you could point to uh yeah. but uh, chadwell i think he had like nca sanctions nick when he was like a d2 or d3 coach you add that in with he's never coached at the power five level you know, he did the mullet thing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I'm sure that maybe turned some old whites in administration off. Um, <laughs> and so there's just some stuff there with him. Uh, but three things here to me. Number one is money, right? Mm-hmm. He's just more money at Liberty. Yeah. Number two, conference affiliation. Like the Sun Belt's a damn tough league. Yes. It's going to be hard would, to win that league every probably year. Probably the most competitive G5 top to bottom. And, like there, there and aren't easy outs typically in that conference. The best way to to get a job like this is to stack multiple seasons. He did that at Coastal and the jobs didn't come. Like he's going to fall back a little bit with his league and with, you know, he's about to lose the quarterback, McCall. So I think that was a that was a big calculus in this decision. I could go to Liberty. Yeah, like I, got I got more this. money. I got more resources. They're about to go to Conference USA, which is going to be a very winnable conference moving forward for him. It's going to be Western and, versus Liberty, really. Is, yeah, is and the, for me, just the coaches and the, they've got good coaches in that league and good and programs that really care and really invest at that level. The uh, what's so, the dude at uh, Georgia Southern Helton? Yeah, Helton, I mean, Kane Womack yeah. at South Alabama is a good coach who's going to be a Power 5 coach soon. Um, at Marshall, Charles Huff's going to be a Power 5 coach soon. Yeah, yeah, they just point. got good coaches in that league where I think it might be a little easier in the CUSA for them to for them to break through. And so, I, to me, that's why he made the move. More money, conference affiliation, and he's about to hit a – like, the reason Sean Lewis left for Colorado is because he just knew, like – I had my run here at Kent State. It's hard to maintain at a program like this. I got to get out. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And so that to me, it, it was similar that for that with Chadwell. Of those mm-hmm. Sunbelt schools, Coastal, I think, is probably financially one of the maybe – you know, has the least the amount pockets. of cash resources. I would say. Yeah, they, I don't. I don't I think to... they have like uh, deep deep pockets of uh, prestigious alumni coming out of the Myrtle Beach. No yeah, and they're a new, they're one of the they're the one of the newer like App State's been playing football a long time. They've got mm-hmm. a strong fan base. Troy's been playing a football a long time. They got a strong fan base. Marshall has a strong fan base. Where Coastal, it's they they got FCS in like 2009, 2010. They're just really mm-hmm. just getting going. And there that's just a tough league. It's a tough group of five leagues, so I think it made sense for him. He was one of my favorite hires of the bunch. Like replacing him him going into a free system, like I think the the talent's going to align for him and Liberty'll spend money. And so I think they're going to be good. I could see him win a couple CSA titles and then he's pro- he's going to get the Power 5 job after that after a couple years of Liberty. The Man, the most fascinating hire of them all, the most surprising of them all, is what Wisconsin's doing. Yes. Everything about Wisconsin, they are – I mean, they fired um, – and I, now I can't – Paul Chris, just so they could promote and keep Jim Leonard, only to not promote and keep Jim Leonard. Some they, balls on that athletic director, man. Yeah, I mean – yeah. Wisconsin is the most just like boring defense, run the football, run the football. And they said they have a brand. They have a brand and they're changing it. And and that is very risky because the four was so high. The four was so high. And it's like a 30 year four that Barry Alvarez made, right? It was just a continuation of that going back to the 90s. They ran the football, they won eight games, they played defense, and they go to the Rose Bowl every few years. Well, now all this stuff is changing in uh, – you're, you're bringing in UCLA, you're bringing in USC. It's going to get a lot tougher. You don't just get to lean on the Big Ten West. So – Yeah, to mention what – to, yeah, uh, to mention what you're talking – like Luke Fickle, but Phil Longo is our offense coordinator. See, that's where it is. That, that's yeah. the <laughs> – That's just where this is what Nick's talking about. Phil Longo, when Jordan Tomu and Ole Miss came in with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Dawson Knox, Van Jefferson in 2017 and beat Kentucky in the last second. Yeah. they that He was their offense coordinator there, and he went from there working for Matt Luke, and he went to North Carolina, was at North Carolina the last four years. And this is they, a modern spread tempo offense. Yes. It's tempo. no huddle. Yeah. It's tempo, tempo, tempo. It's a, a crap ton of RPOs, and it's, you know, they've got air raid passing concept where it's, they'll run mesh, they'll run four verts, they'll run all of that. But it's very much a modern offense, and they're hitting the gas pedal, and they're trying to score points. And that's what's coming to Madison, Wisconsin, Camp Randall Stadium, jump around. They are, that's the offense they're going to run on. It's going to be hard. Like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, like, tricky for it's the eyes. It's abandoning the triple option. I mean, it's, it's, it's that drastic. Because Fickle, as a defensive guy, who had success at you know pretty much wherever he's been that that feels like a fit, but even how does that work with Phil Longo and 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 the yeah. other thing about him too it's not like, like it's it's less about him and more about just the fit because like people in North Carolina they kind of wanted uh, not necessarily a coach in waiting but they were kind of hoping like all right Mac you're you're not going to be here for very long let's just keep Phil Longo here as long as we can and promote him yeah when the time yeah comes. so now in, in the other part that's fascinating, like it's not obviously it's different scheme wise, but like Jeff tried doing the we're going to out offense you in a defensive league. So 
How does yeah, that work? I'm just I I, I just I, think I, that I, I agree, but that the calculus changes now that divisions are probably gone. I would imagine, mm-hmm. and then USC yeah. and UCLA are coming in. It's true. Yeah, you're just gonna have to play a different style of ball, and it's you're gonna just, be where you're not you're playing Iowa. To, <laughs> well, I think like not to like SEC Big Ten fight this, but like the amount of offenses Kentucky saw last year, like the different like the traditional old school air raid at Mississippi State. And then you go directly from that, and you're playing Tennessee's vertical rear and shoot tempo. Um, there's just a lot you just see a lot, and then you got traditional pro style, pro style, excuse me, with Georgia. Like Kentucky just saw a lot of different offenses, uh, and I think that's what you're going to have in the Big Ten with this. You're going to see, you know, Iowa's three yards in a cloud of dust, but then you're going to have to go play Purdue's, you know traditional air raid now with Graham Harrell. And then you're going to have to face Phil Longo at Wisconsin, Lincoln Riley at USC, Ryan Day at Ohio State. Um, and then even Penn State's running kind of a more modern spread with Mike Yersich. Like, it's just – you're just going to see different offenses now. And so you're just going to have to adjust to that. And so I think it's going to make the Big Ten more interesting that Wisconsin's doing this. And it just mm-hmm. – I mean, this is a gamble for Luke Fickle because it's out of character for him. Yes. Uh, really, it seems like. But if it works, it could just really raise Wisconsin's ceiling. And what this does to me is, like, if this works, it's going to raise a recruiting ceiling. Um, yeah. Because offenses like this recruit themselves. And so kids are going to see, oh, they're, oh, they're running that. I want to go to there to play. I, let's, let me visit Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's a cool place uh, from a stadium aspect, and the fans really care. Mm-hmm. Good good you know, college town. Like, it's it, – it, yeah. of all it the could, Big Ten ones, it's, uh, it's up there. It's top you tier. Know, they have, financially, they seem to be very well supported. Uh, like it could just, it could just change things for Wisconsin, and it's a ballsy move by Fickle. But I fascinate. This could be. This is the biggest. Like to me, they of all the hires, this has the highest ceiling because if it hits, I mean, they could. You know, they've well, hit their they've hit their head on that ceiling where they can get top six, top seven. Yeah. Where they can go eleven and one or whatever. But when they play the big dogs, when they play Ohio State, they just don't have the ammo to win. Like, this mm-hmm. offense would give them the ammo to win a game like that. And I think that's what Fickle is going for. But it could also, I think, flame out pretty quickly, it, too. So, it's going to be a fascinating it, watch. Even if it does flame out, like, there is a I – mean, you kind of just – all right, well, let's go back to what we were doing. Yeah, that, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, that, I agree. You, you can still recruit the big big uglies on the offensive line. Uh, yeah, it's not like they were playing bad defense at Cincinnati. Uh with Fickle, and he's bringing his defense coordinator over Mike Tressel. Like they're gonna, I think they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be able to recruit Ohio. He's gonna be able to get the same dudes. It's just gonna, I think, maybe make their talent pool a little bigger um, and raise their, I think, ceiling as a program if if this works. And we'll have to see if it works. Didn't didn't they have two starting NFL cornerbacks last year? Sauce. Didn't their other corner start too for a team? Well, they had Kobe Bryant and um, the who plays That's for the Seahawks. And Seahawks, then they had yeah, Brian Seahawks. Cook, who's a safety for the Chiefs, who played this year. <laughs> they had all kinds of draft picks. I mean, that, that yeah. Cincinnati team last year was stacked. Uh, the one question we got from Connor uh, on the YouTube page that, you know, he, he was wondering about what happened at Mississippi State in the Michael Leach fallout, um, which we mentioned before. But if I'm going to go worst tires, I, I, I don't like the decision to get out of the air raid, at least for this year. I would have tried to keep that thing going because what made Mississippi State such a challenge was that you had an unorthodox offense and defense. Like that, they they were very much a this isn't the this three three five defense and this offense aren't aren't what we are used to. 
He's got Will Rogers coming back. I don't know why you just don't try to keep the continuity. And if you want to scrap it and start from scratch, go for it. But, dude, you're replacing like 10 guys on your de- starting defense. Like that, 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 that was a little head scratching to me to get to ditch the air raid. If somebody is, you know, who's got to play against him, I'm, I'm all for it. Good job, Zach Arnett. But, uh, that, uh, that was surprising for me. Yeah. The only problem really is, like Mike Leach has this huge coaching tree, and that's like his long-lasting impact on the sport. But no one does it anymore like he did it. I mean, he was very old school in how they approach it. Like a lot of them have like opened up, um, gone tempo, more run game. Mm-hmm. Where with him, it was like they weren't they they weren't getting like they were no huddle, but they they were taking their time, you know. And there was old school era where they were. You know, you had a like they would run split backs. No one else runs split backs. Uh, <laughs> they were, you know, hardcore mesh mesh rail with a wheel route with a running back. They would run some four verts, but it was a wide cross. But I mean, it was very much old school stuff, and no one really runs it like that anymore. So to me, there wasn't the obvious hire there. Like you could have went and got somebody off the tree, which I thought was the move they would have made. Yeah, that's so, so you look at maybe like Graham Harrell. I thought that might have made some sense. You know, somebody like that. Ben Arbuckle, who was at WKU. I thought Spurrier Jr. might have had a shot at it just because of his name, you know. Um, Yeah, so so he doesn't do that. But I think it's important to look, like, know the tree, right? Where does Zach Arnett come from? He's a Rocky Long disciple, 335. What a Rocky Long and his disciples, all the guys have got head coaching opportunities, which is small sample size, but they've all had boring offenses. Mm -hmm. Like him, Brady Hoke. Uh, Danny Gonzalez, who's at New Mexico, their offenses have always kind of stunk. And so it's run heavy. It's, you know, we're going to play conservative and our defense is going to win games. And so I think you're going to see some of that next year at Mississippi State. Hiring Kevin Barbe had a good offense last year at App State, Nick, but they went like six and seven. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we'll see. Well, I mean, it's a big risk here, but totally like that – Scheme shift is big time. Like, I think the drop-off with Will Rogers is probably going to be pretty big here. Um, having to play in a totally different offense, and he, he has physical limitations um, as a thrower. I, I have doubts that it's going to work. Um, they're probably going to shift to, like, more of an outside zone, I think, stretch offense. That's totally different to what this offensive line was recruited to run. I think offensively, it, there's, there's a decent-sized chance it could be a train wreck next year. Um, and just how do they handle that? And then the biggest the biggest skill they had was Arnett calling the defense. He's not going to call it anymore. You know, they're still yeah. going to run the same structure, but how good is this new defensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a huge questions with Mississippi State. I could definitely see them having a bad first year. I mean, we'll, and we'll see. Arnett's still pretty young too, Nick. I mean, he's only been in the Power Five three years. Yeah, you know, and it was as Mississippi State's defensive coordinator. That's just a big step up for him. You know, this would this would this is like it's essentially what if like Kentucky would have hired John Summerall just like before he went to Troy, right? right. It's just a big step up, and you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot to like, but it's a huge step up early in a guy's coaching tenure. We'll see how you know see how it works. That it the coordinator hires on paper or iffy. See how it plays out. Yep, yep. Well, good. Do you have a worst hire? Do you have a like I, this? I don't get this. <laughs> I mean, well, there's two of them for me that really stick out. It's yeah. we can we can start with the one you want to start. Trent Dilfer, or Scott Satterfield. 
Oh man, Trent Dilfer, he's so easy to make fun of because he just says the dumbest things. And he just he just he's a big war guy, right? He wants like he really works hard on his vocabulary and he wants you to know that he works hard on his vocabulary. I don't even think it's a smart thing. It's just like I, I know big words. Like <laughs> you should know these words. Like look them up in the dictionary. Like um, so it's just very like that. It's big. There's he coached in high school. No no experience. This is just like Bill Clark was awesome for them. It's a big drop off. You know we'll see. He's high, like if you look at his hires, Nick. It was a lot of like young guys who were like quality control dudes at bigger schools, Ohio State, Alabama. So does it you know. Does it work here? Yeah. They're joining a league that's going to be pretty tough. Um, they're jumping up to the American next year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't see it working, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it was a fascinating hire, and we're going to get into this. I want to save the press conference stuff for next, but there, that was very interesting press conference, um, Ooh, to I'm say sure. the least. Yeah, and then Saturday, yeah, Satterfield. Just like, what are you – to me, I, the biggest thing with Satterfield is this. I think this athletic director panicked. Like they were going to the Big Twelve, he didn't want to roll the dice and risk it on a guy with not much, without any Power Five experience. Satterfield interviewed when they hired Fickle. Administration liked him. He was available. He had a winning record in the Power Five. You know, if you throw his App State record on top of that, that looked really good. Um, in the recent recruiting success, I'll, he he just hit certain boxes, but there wasn't like any. I don't think deep dives kind of because if you dig a little deeper, you, you would find like there's a lot of there's some red flags. I think here, most notably like well, his fit at Louisville is it, 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 they're the same like Cincinnati and Louisville kind of have the same culture from a fan base standpoint. Yep. Um, oh, almost it's identical. like this. It's this. I mean, it's literally just an hour. And half up the road, like it's just like, the same. Also, their their pads to where they are to their once rivals and conferences. They've they've been left behind in a lot of the realignment stuff. And you had such a uh, the biggest thing for me is they've had success with these big strong personalities. And Satterfield is such a wet blanket compared to Brian Kelly. And Luke yeah, Michael. like those guys. Were worry, yeah, strong. I worry about Cincinnati. I worry about their fit in the Big 12. Like we've seen with West Virginia, it's just a bad fit. You know, I think adding Cincinnati is going to help West Virginia and Cincinnati together. And then they already have that kind of established rivalry of UCF. So at least Cincinnati fans are going to have some games like to get excited about. But you're in Ohio school playing in the Texas conference. It's just, it's just an odd fit. And Satterfield's bringing an offense that's not, uh, that's not really what they run there. That could work both ways. Like it could take some adjusting. For the Big Twelve to adjust to that, and it, you know they could sneak by teams, but it's just a, it's just an odd fit. Um, like I don't think everybody just it probably goes similar to his Louisville tenure. He's four years, he's hovering around five hundred. Fans are not super thrilled with the product on the field, um, but he'll he'll pull off a win over a top twenty five team every once in a while, and be like, well, do we keep him? Do we not? It's just kind of like, do we extend this guy or do we not extend this guy? Um, and so it's just. It's just an odd, odd hire by him. I just, I really do yeah. think that AD kind of panicked um, there because they got in the coach search, and I don't think the talent pool was really what they wanted it to be. I think a lot of that has to do with the fit in the Big Twelve. I think it's an odd fit for Cincinnati in that league. Um, I think West Virginia is a perfect example of it might be, you know, difficult for them. Um, difficult recruiting. It's difficult for your fans. I think to get excited. 
especially without like you're not welcome in Texas and Oklahoma here every year, yeah, right? Yeah. One of them that hurts well, too. On on the other foot, it's also bizarre in that former Conference USA opponents. TCU and Cincinnati are going to be the only two teams in the Big 12 with college football playoff experience. I mean, yeah, that's, that, just, that's another thing. Like the expectations so are raised because of that. And yeah. I think Fickle, like it was a little odd that Fickle went to Wisconsin because he was on like that USC, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan track, like to get to one of a team with like a national championship, a little just like above, just a tier above Wisconsin. And that he took that, I think a reason he took that was because he didn't want any part of Cincinnati yeah. being in the Big 12. No, I think you're you're right on that. Um, Boykett, I admittedly did not watch as many uh, press conferences as you did. Uh, some attended one, but yeah. was not a big uh, big press conference guy. So what was the most bizarre of them all? Was it yeah. Tim Dilfer? The first one, like – I. I felt Jeff Brahms, I don't have many hobbies. I just love football. Because I live that every day of my life. Yeah, so, yeah. So I really, I did. Get, get an occasional movie in. Um, I, I did Jeff's like, like that. hobby is like well, going to like a local high school basketball game or something. You know? Watch like, a golf, yeah, watch a golf tournament. Maybe go play 18. But I did, I really did feel that. Like I, that, that was very much in my wheelhouse. So I respected that comment. Yeah. Um, the most, okay. Kevin Wilson, Tulsa, off the grid here. Ohio State offensive coordinator is going to Tulsa. Former Indiana coach that got in trouble. Now, he dropped the the stats are for losers, nerd. Or or the stats, which I hate. I I mean, I just hate with all of my being. Like, bro, are you, 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 I know you keep bad bare minimum completion percentage in your QB competition. So, like, get the hell out of here with that. But that wasn't even the oddest part of this. Um, like the president gets up two minute, typical president statement, athletic director comes up. Usually it's like a typical eight, nine minute speech, Nick, they introduce the coach and blah, blah. Now this athletic director, um, it's an older gentleman. I think his name's Rick Smith. I could be getting that wrong. So he, he starts and then he asks Nick, I'm not kidding you. He asked people, he asked to turn the cameras off for this, uh, during a press conference. Well, no one turns the cameras off, so it's just him. And he just goes on a diatribe about how, you know, getting older, he asks for things, talks about his wife, talks about Tulsa, talks about, you know, how, like, he had to fire a coach, he didn't like it. I mean, it went on for 25 minutes. And I was like, what is this? What is going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> that was the, it was the most odd, like, press conference I've ever watched. Ooh, now, I mean, if that would have happened at a – yeah, if that I, happens at a big school, I, I could like not imagine a, the reaction. Yeah. You call a press conference and then ask them to turn their cameras yeah. in the middle of it. And then Kevin Wilson gets up, he hits it with the st- – I was like, man, that's that's a lot going on there at that Tulsa press conference. Another one, uh, UAB's athletic director introducing Trent Dilfer. Like we mentioned earlier, Dilfer uses a lot of big words. You know, if you've seen him on ESPN, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but he – a, his athletic director in the middle of this said he's going through the search process. He's talking to people. He was pretty open about kind of how it worked. Um, and he's like, he sat there and he said, he was like sitting in his car or looking in the mirror one day. And he was like, am I really about to hire a high school coach? And what I would have wanted to said to him is just, yes, stop, like back, abort, abort, abort. But he says, 
no, I'm not about to hire a high school coach. I'm about to hire Trent Dilfer, the high school coach. And I was like, oh, my God, he did not just say that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and so that was that was I, I give him props because he was very transparent about but that, that comment was that was one of the more jarring, I think ones and that that whole hiring pro, like I, it was like they really hiring Trent Dilfer, um, so that was interesting. Um, apparently the Naval Academy is still on Zoom, Nick. So they didn't have a pre- like it was literally people sitting in their office, uh, which that one's one of the weirder ones. There was like a coup there. Like a Kevin, like a Phil Fulmer esque coup, um, because apparently, like Brian Newberry and some important people at Naval Academy kind of got Niamatololo like pushed out. Yeah, so they could hire I, him. So that was just a little convinced odd. Convinced that he was stale, even though he's I believe the winningest football coach in the Naval Academy's history. Yeah, but they're doing the same. Like they're, I think they're running the triple option again. Like they're doing everything else except Newberry's the head coach. It was just kind of that was mm-hmm. that was odd. Uh, and then Kenny Dillingham like cried in. Point eight seconds at Arizona State. I mean, and I'm talking like ugly crying. Oh, and it man. was, it, and, it and did he's not one stop. of those that I think could end up being decent. Um, yeah, uh, he I, when I, when I wrote best five hires, he was he was on there. I think yeah. that I think it just adds up where it could work. Also on there was I like Brent Key, uh, Barry Odom. I like just because of his aggressiveness. Um, offense coordinator. He hired Petrino, but then he followed up with Brendan Marion, who kind of ran this spread option FCS offense that was really popular. He was Texas receivers coach last year, and so those were the those were the moments at press conferences that stuck out. Well, unfortunately, I don't. If they have, I would have been tuned in. I don't think we've had a Bobby Petrino Texas A and M press conference yet. No, I haven't seen that yet. No. Um, I wonder but, if Jimbo even lets them talk, or if it's like the Saban thing where the coordinators I, I, don't I, talk. I bet he doesn't, um, and I bet Bobby's yeah, I happy to oblige. But the 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 there was two the two big movers in Texas. Kendall Browse going to TCU. Mm-hmm. The outrage that followed, I, I did not understand. It's it's like, dude's been at Arkansas for a couple of years now. Were y'all outraged every Saturday? Like, why are you outraged now uh, over him getting this job? Like. The Baylor thing happened a long time ago, and I don't know the specifics of it, so I'm not trying to admonish him of his sins, whether he had them or not. But, like, where was this energy for Kendall Brown's outrage when he was at Arkansas? Like, we've moved on, right? America's moved on from that for everybody except Art Browse, and I think that's fair. Like, I I just – I didn't understand that outrage. I do think the Bobby Petrino move, though, is – hilarious and also shows you how desperate Jimbo is. I mean, that is a desperate, that is desperation. And for Jimbo to, like, it's one thing for him to hand over the keys to a guy like Kendall Browse, you know, some young guy with his innovative offense. I mean, Jimbo and Bobby were competing against each other. Like this is the tension between those two. Like I, there's no way Petrino's on the sideline for A&M. Like he's got to be in the booth, just MFing each other. Um, because I, if not, I cannot wait to see their interactions on the sideline. Um, because I know that yeah. what's going to happen is Petrino's going to call down plays and, and Jimbo's going to change them and it's going to piss him off so much. It's just gonna yeah. Work. Yeah. I think Nick, this, during this off season, I'm going to, for the first time, I'm going to do like top 10 or so teams, like must watch like teams just from an entertainment aspect. You, you should go out of your way to watch this year. Like Colorado is obviously going to be on there, mm-hmm. the A and M, 
Jimbo Factor. And for Kentucky fans, like Miami has to be on there now. Yes. With Shannon Dawson. <laughs> like, I can't. Um, and, it, like, when re- digging into this hire and why, like, Cristobal likes him, it is literally like you could carbon copy Mark Stoops' press conferences from 2015. It's like, oh, like, he's Air Ray, but he's got, like, he's got really good ideas in the run game, and they're going to run it and all this, yada, yada, yada. And my takeaway is Dana Holgerson has done his friend some solids Seriously. over the year. They weren't, they haven't been very good. And, and, and he's getting like the a lot Southern, of credit for what Holgo did. Yeah. Yeah. The Southern Miss offense, like, that he inherited was Todd Munkin's offense. Todd Munkin and Chip Lindsey. Like, it had, and it had three pros. Like, Nick Mullins is still in the NFL. Edo Smith had a cup of coffee with the Falcons. I believe Quez Watkins was a receiver for them at that time. Yep. I could be wrong. Yep. But he's on the Eagles right now. And, like, they took a – like, they were good, but they took a step back. I mean, everybody remembers the Kentucky game. But if you watch that year, they had a disappointing first season. And then they tanked the next year. They ended up in SP+. Plus, they were in the hundreds. And so they got rid of him after that. You know, he goes to Houston. They said middle of last year he started calling plays for Houston. We can believe that if we want. He called plays this year, and they kind of had a disappointing season uh, for most of the year. And he had pros like Clayton Toon and Tank Dell are getting drafted. They're quarterback and receiver. Uh, probably in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Like, he had dudes on his team. And it, the offense – I never once watched Houston. It's like, man, this offense is really good. And so Miami hires him. It's just an odd fit. But good for him mm-hmm. um, that he's getting this gig. But like, it's just, but it's just odd. It's just an odd fit. I cannot believe he. That's where he landed. I mean, the fact that Miami fans thought they were going to get the Eagles' quarterback coach and ended up with Shannon Dawson instead is just. It's also perfect. It's perfect for that program, right? I mean, just the big swings and misses. I don't. And, yeah, I don't understand and, why it took them so long to hire, fire their offense coordinator because they essentially sabotaged their search. Yeah, like you needed to get in that right that away. Is, do it, yeah, and because the and market is, dried up. And this is the thing too, like if you talk to like when when you have NFL guys, NFL draft guys talk about Justin Herbert or really any Oregon prospect, like they they talk about like him having success in spite of Mario Cristobal and his failures as a coach for offensive football. And he's hiring Shannon Dawson to figure it out. That's just. That's wild to me. Well, uh, and you look at some of the office coordinators he had, like the least effective Moorhead was as a play caller was kind of at Oregon, where he was maybe hamstrung a little bit. Now, now hands were tied. Now, a lot of that was with, you know, their quarterback situation wasn't great, but Anthony Brown is on a roster. He's a backup for the Ravens, so it wasn't terrible. And then the Justin Herbert thing, like they really, like they had Herbert and they didn't really unleash him that season. And then they mm-hmm. then they got late in the season. They were like, well, let's get out of all this run heavy. Let's just let Herbert spin it. And they went and kicked Utah's ass in the Rose Bowl or in the Pac-12 championship. And they went and won the Rose Bowl. I, be, I think they beat Wisconsin. So it was, then it was like, why weren't we doing this all year? And now you've seen what right, Herbert right. became in the NFL. So, yeah, there's some questions with him. It's just that uh, there was reasons, I think, to be excited about Cristobal. But you're a year in and seeing how they're trending. You know, recruiting's going great, but it's just like, ugh. I don't know about this, and so we'll see what Dawson does. But yeah, um, there's a question in the chat. What if Dawson wins at Miami? Though he, you know, he might. Then that might be a, it. Might be come back to um, some of Stoops' issues um, with hiring offensive coordinators, which we've talked about a lot. 
Um, but I don't I don't think that it's going to be super great knowing what what I, what I've seen from Dawson. Not only at Kentucky, Southern Miss wasn't great, and a lot of times he's been very much he's been in non play calling roles most of his career. The other and seeing what like, Houston does on offense next year, like what if Houston takes yeah. a picture forward, you know, with him out of the picture, you know, that's we'll see what what happens there. One one other move that I wanted to mention. I mean, I I don't have any sort of indictment on Tommy Reese at Alabama. Okay, it just felt like he was a Notre Dame kind of lifer for a while, and he's only know, thirty years old. I mean, he's young. Yeah, he's our age. I dated a girl in college that went to school with him. Said he was a D bag. Um, <laughs> um, so I I have Tommy Reese bias because of the girl that I dated ten years ago. Um, but so like it doesn't put the fear of God in me. I like, say you know Saban's both were pretty underwhelming. Um, I think they were just high floor hires. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I could see them both being improved over O'Brien and Pete Golding, but it's not. It's not like, oh, damn, that's a huge hire. It's not that. But I, I think it's – they're both – I think they both have high floors, so I think they'll be all right. We, we need to get a little bit more into this, but I I, I forgot – I don't want to forget. We once had the Coastal Circle where every different Atlantic ACC Coastal team won the division. They took their turns. Well, Robert and I is trying yeah, to complete yeah. his Atlantic tour where he's just yeah. going year by year to a different team in the Atlantic division. First it was Virginia. They were good. Then he goes to Syracuse. They were good. And now he's at – is it NC State? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. he's reuniting with Brennan Armstrong. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of that. I think that worked out really well for NC State. Um, like, digging into Leary this week, like, receiver position had been kind of an issue with them. Like, Nick, they didn't have one – unless Thayer Thomas gets drafted this year, who's kind of just your typical slot receiver – they didn't have one receiver that got drafted during Larry's tenure. Not great. That's another reason I think you could get excited about Larry's because he has some production with without much, you help. know, with a low with a low ceiling at you know at a skill position, and so that 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 alone is exciting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, but I like an eye there. I think that's going to work. NC State's defense has really been humming the last three years under Tony uh, Gibson. Running a three three five, getting a nine there. We've seen what like it was. You saw the drop off at Virginia, and then you saw how much improved Syracuse were. Just those two examples, like that, they're probably going to be better on offense next year. Armstrong is probably going to be closer to much closer to what he was in twenty twenty one as opposed to twenty twenty two, which was a train wreck season uh, for him at Virginia. So I like that a lot. That like NC State, I think it's a sneaky team because of that. I'd have to dig into the roster see what they returned, but I I did like that. That a lot. That was one of my favorite coordinator hires of this offseason. The the last thing that I wanted to get to before we wrap things up, going a little bit long today, but in general, there's a lot of high turnover for Kentucky opponents next year at play calling positions. Um, we already mentioned Alabama. Now I think they'll have things figured out by November, um, but they've got to figure out new quarterbacks. Right? Todd Munkin leaves Georgia. I think I don't think the cage will be rattled a ton with the promotion of Mike Bobo because he's still going to get the ball to Brock Bowers a ton. Uh, <laughs> Not rocket science. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But he's got to find a new quarterback, right? And then South Carolina, uh, you know, Shane Beamer's going to come kick our ass because we aren't talking about how great Dal Loggins is. Uh, that could be a train wreck. Uh, and yeah. Eli Drinkwitz, he's given up play calling duties too. So there, 
What a very, Also very likely that Shane Bieber looked in our face and just straight up lied to people about Loggins and his SEC offense coordinator hires. <laughs> I mean, unless this guy is just operating in the dark like Batman, um, I, I don't you know, where's that oh, coming from? It, it, do you strike me as a does Shane Beamer strike you as a guy who's not leaking stuff out to everybody who'll talk to him? Yeah, because I mean, we're pretty tied in here, and we know that you know he wasn't he was in maybe Stoops' top three last year, but he wasn't top two. It was either going to be Scangarello or Calabrese. Yeah, <laughs> they were throwing him a bone just mentioning his name. Now you could make the argument that if he would have stayed, he'd probably be Arkansas's offense coordinator now. Now that Browse left. I could hear that, but wh- where's where's the other ones? Where's Vandy? Did Vandy call him? Like who 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 who's out there? Um, so that one's just a fascinating one to me. Like who's going to end up being better for Marcus Satterfield or Dow Loggins? Yeah. Like what if it's a drop off? You know. Now he he inherit. You know they get what Juice Wells and Spencer Rattler back, so that that should help. Um, but that that's one's fascinating. Another one, Nick. Like um, you talk about around Kentucky. You know, like the Alabama one's big, Georgia one's big, South Carolina um, is obviously big there, and then Louisville's brand new. So there, yeah, there's a lot of turnover. But I think Mistake. like you have to feel very good about Liam Cohen. Like, yeah. like looking back on this offense coordinator search, you have to feel good about where Kentucky landed and that who they got. Yeah, um, that makes uh, that should make you feel really good. Um, and then another one like Garrett Riley at Clemson, I really like a lot. Dabo, taking, changing things up, not promoting well, from within. It's very similar, I think, to the Chad Morris hire, where it's. I think this is really going to work out well for Clemson. You're taking a Texas offensive coordinator who's bringing a Texas offense, and you're joining forces with a Texas five-star quarterback there at Clemson in uh, Kate Klubnick. I really think this is going to work out well for them. Um, I think this is a big upgrade over their last two off- uh, play callers. I think this is really going to work for them. Um, you just got to keep that defense, you know, make sure they don't drop off because they're losing a lot of, you know, star players there. But I think this is going to work out well for Clemson. And I think they'll be back in the playoff next year because of this move. I think it's really going to be a, a good kind of – and it kind of happened under the radar. Like Dabble just pulled a fast one mm-hmm. on us and made the move. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really – um, going to work out well for them. And then there were a lot of Kentucky ties, Nick, like Jared Parker and Gino Guadulli are kind of kind of be a one-two punch at Notre Dame. Jared Parker played at Kentucky. Gino Guadulli was the quarterback after Jared Lorenzen at Highlands and mm-hmm. was Cincinnati football. He's the guy I thought, you know, if Cincinnati didn't hire Sean Lewis, I thought he should have been the guy for Cincinnati. Um, former Trinity and Louisville quarterback Will Stein is the play caller at Oregon now. Oregon's yeah, going to yeah. be another team that's going to be in the playoff he conversation. Up. He went up you from know, UT, no, Roadrunners, UTSA. Yeah. And then um, it was just one year play caller, but I mean that's a big step up for him. Then Brian Hartline, obviously, it's a name we talked about a lot. He got promoted to Ohio State, um, is the offense coordinator there, probably in a non-play calling role. But that's going to allow him where he's going to go, he's going to go directly there to a Power Five um, head coaching job. Whether it's getting the Ohio State job if Ryan Day ever goes to the NFL, or getting another head coaching job. And so that that's you know all all of those kind of I think hit close to home here at Kentucky. And there's a lot of guys locally who, you know, are in big, like Will Stein, Oregon's a big job. Jared Parker, Guadulli at Notre Dame. Those are big jobs. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of pressure to perform there. Um, and there's probably some hires that we missed along the way, but you know, it's a long off season. We can sprinkle yeah. them in here. There. Rocky long, emer- Rocky long emerging at Syracuse is, cause that dude is awesome. Just a defense coordinator. And like, 
they they essentially went from student to teacher because Tony White went to Nebraska, and then like Long is coming. His scheme's already established. He's coming in. I I think that could be interesting up there at Syracuse. Whew, man, that was a sprint. It was, it was a sprint. It's a lot of fun though. Always fun getting to chop it up and just talk about the carousel. And now it's draft season. We got two weeks until the combine, Nick. From yeah, two today, weeks till we'll be at the combine. We'll be. So I guess our shows up there. Our March second episode. I guess we might have our typical lunch schedule might have to be tinkered with depending on work duties. But yeah, we'll it be live from the a combine later in the afternoon. But yeah, yeah. As long as we can figure out the technology, by God, we're <laughs> going to be live from the combine. Uh, but that's going to be exciting. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Levis, there's a lot of potential destinations being thrown out there for him. Uh, and we'll learn more about the other guys. So, as always, it's been a pleasure hanging out with y'all today. Hopefully the other cats can keep it rolling. Spring practice. I mean, that's it's combine and then spring practice. So, we'll double whammy there. Uh, as uh, Mark Stoops, he's getting his indoor facility. They're gonna. It's the last spring practice. They got to deal with the small field at Nutter. So I know he's fired up. We're fired up to be hanging out with y'all all season long, right here on Eleven Personnel. <laughs>